I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to a much later than scheduled Fallout Bar here on night number eight. I think it is now. We're absolutely motoring through the PDC World Championships. Myself, Jack Gobby Garwood here with you from Online Darts with my friends Lee Boyce and Cam. I'll come to you first, Lee, so that Cam can finish doing a little bit of admin we need in the background. Uh, <laughs> and the second time we've seen you this week, mate, where you been hiding? I've let other people have a bit of limelight. You know, I've tried to hide away a bit. That's all it is, mate. I like to share the love. You That's went to watch like. Dudley play football the other night. Don't give me that crap. Yeah, that wasn't when the fallout bar was on. I've still been watching. I just, uh, I've just kept myself busy, but watched an awful lot of darts. I don't think I've missed maybe one game or two. I've seen an awful lot, and uh, looking at today's dames, well, tonight's dames wasn't too bad. Today's dames, bit of a different feel to it, as I'm sure the show will pan out that way. That the afternoon will have a little less time than what the evening dames might have. <laughs> it's a little bit later and this is this is day eight so i'm getting a little bit cranky now but i can't help but think this is up there with the worst start to the tournament we've had in a long long time the standard is okay it's not exceptional there's a lot of players not making that 90 mark i understand that that's what happens when the when the field expands it also feels like we've got an awful lot of players that just aren't very compelling to watch on the tv there's an awful lot of styles that have clashed that have made for difficult viewing games i'm a little bit i'm ready for the christmas break i think to come back and then all the cd players can just go at each other that still left it yeah i think i think it's been one of those tournaments so far where it's more been moments instead of matches and i guess like you said after christmas hopefully that will spin around and it will be more than matches that are stand out i know there's a a couple we can sort of all agree on that have been standout games but generally, it's just been the odd moment. And we've seen that today. You know, even we've seen those bits of quality from some players who haven't performed for a while. It's all been consistent, even, you know, towards the end in that last game. But 
it has been more of a moment world championship than a matches currently yeah completely agree cam's still tapping away so i was to say hello to a few people in the chat room andrew's in daniel is in uh colin george is in uh brandon is in as he has been all week uh ryan jackson uh that feels like a new name i'm not sure i've seen you before captain paul as well uh, yankee clipper is in terence matthew macy uh tommy tornado's back once again being with us all week uh some muppet called lee voices in the chat room uh gwn's in uh, rose is in with a new profile picture rose okay we notice all this Juanita's in as well first in another aussie another bit of disappointment for you unfortunately Juanita, but we will get to that uh in a long long time away because uh, that's just how this session's gone cam i'm gonna say hello to you and then i can get lee off onto the next bit uh you've been with us for the majority of the week um <laughs> i suppose it's just a, a backing up what me and boise have said already today was a little bit difficult to watch at times yeah there was there was good and bad and the bad probably outweighed the good today um yeah sorry for the slight delay in getting involved here tonight um for some reason i couldn't get the youtube links to work in the report but i've fixed it now so we're all good um so yeah well, that means lee's got some work to do as well yeah a lot of us we're absolutely proving the entire empire is ran on iphone 12s it's tremendous yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely proving the fact that Everyone blokes can't multitask. We're all proving everyone wrong. Um, yeah, today I've watched all of it because I'm not allowed to go out of the house, so I've got no, nothing else to do. Um, and yeah, probably not not enjoying the last couple of days so much as it is with having COVID and not being able to go anywhere. Some of today didn't help. I'll be honest. <laughs> No, I, I, I can understand that completely. Thankfully, my test came back negative this morning, as I may well have been joining you. Um, but yeah, uh, let's crack on in what is, by the way, my final show before Christmas. You boys will be at the helm tomorrow night as I'll be travelling home for Christmas, giving myself a few days rest. and then Driving back. home for Christmas. So what? Driving home for Christmas. I don't drive. And we East do, do Middlesbrough. We, do we don't do northeast on here because... Um, Luke no Fitch is from the northeast, and he's not from the northeast. And <laughs> let's not get involved. But it's not like Lee's from Birmingham, but you won't admit it. I'm from Warsaw. I'm from Warsaw. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Solihull. They think they're they're not from Birmingham because it makes them sound posher. But uh, just the point is, not I'm not on tomorrow either. Apparently, was it Luke? It's Luke Charlie and Charlie and Lee. So. I'm glad that you're paying attention. Anyway, let's start looking at games, boys, because it is already 20 to midnight here in the UK. And waffling for nearly seven minutes. We've got eight games to review, eight more games to preview. And that, by the way, we'll see the end of round number two. Um, starting off then, uh, I'll come to you first, Cam. Willie Borland was the star a couple of nights ago, hitting a nine data to win the match against Bradley Brooks in a deciding leg. Um, first leg did not go very well for him tonight. Missed a handful of doubles against Ryan Searle and never really recovered in the entire match. Ryan Searle ran out a comfortable 3-0 winner. Yeah, it kind of went how we thought it was going to go, this one. Me and you, well, not quite. We didn't quite have it as a 3-0 last night, but we thought it might be comfortable for Ryan Searle and that it would be very difficult for William Borland to live up to 
what he did against Bradley Rutswich was, I mean, if you, I think he'd probably have taken it before the tournament if you said he was going to go through that first round, win an absolute cracker against Bradley Brooks and hit a nine darter along the way. He probably have took that as a as a first time on the world stage, but after that, it gives you a little bit more expectation going into the next round, and he, he didn't handle it particularly well, but. He's young and he will come again. And the guy is clearly very, very talented. So, still was good. He was professional. He did a job. And Borland will learn from it and he'll come again. Yeah, I suppose, Lee, the key thing in this one is Borland only had three less attempts at the doubles in the match, but he only hit four of 18. He lost the second set 3 2 and the third set 3 2. It felt to me like he missed arts in every single leg at times. He was there or thereabouts against Ryan Searle, who is. By no means, no slouch. She's had a fantastic year, runner-up at the Players' Championship finals just a couple of weeks ago on TV as well. Um, but Borland just lacked in those key moments, and that's why we've seen the difference in the averages and the scoreline. Yeah, yeah, died spot on, Mike. That's what it was. It seems like we've seen a lot of um, media attention around Borland, and maybe all that sort of hype and all that has just stopped the better of him. And to be honest, it's totally understandable, as we talked about moments what a moment that was that we saw in his first round game. So um, he should, and hopefully he will, leave the World Championship on a positive, even though today didn't go his way. And like you said, yeah, there was plenty of opportunities um, and it would have been interesting at that point to see what Ryan Searle we saw at that point, if he was pushed that little bit further. Um, but Lloyd says, Borland just didn't, we didn't see any sort of level that we saw previously, which allowed Searle to have that easier game. Yeah, completely agree. And like I said, look, if you'd offered ball under second round with what he's achieved, I think he might have taken it pre-tournament. Performance today would have been a little bit disappointing for him, but he has handled an awful lot of media attention. He's been on Zoom calls. He's been uh, here, there and everywhere pretty much. Um, didn't have a Twitter account four days ago. Now he's got nearly 25,000 <laughs> followers on that one. He's been pretty active uh, trying to build his, his profile that way as well, which decent time to do it. He's not really under any deal pressure to defend money etc um but yeah a little bit of disappointing performance from him but the very very dangerous ryan so does move on to round three and we'll be back after christmas um game number two gents um is glenn Doran against william o'connor and lee there were signs in the first set that glenn Doran had settled, his throw did start to look a little bit better. The, the first dart was wild into the treble five, and my instant reaction was, oh dear, we're in for a long one here. It tightened up a little bit. The first set was competitive. O'Connor pinches it, though, 3-1, and then Glenn just took a little bit of a nosedive, started to look like the Glenn we've seen for the last six months again, fighting every dart, um, and it was just difficult, and it, it never really looked like it was going to go in any other direction. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very tough watch. Um, like There's parts of that first round. For me, similar to Blackpool, there was parts of his day and then in Blackpool where you thought, actually, there's something there to build upon. And hopefully you will say that there's something to build upon. Opposite to what he really spoke about in his interview that he'd done with Phil at Newcastle, I think, in that exhibition, when he says his first few lads in that, he was averaging around 50 sits today, and it was the nerves. Well, actually, other than that first wayward sort of dart that... The rest of which he didn't look too bad in that first set, and you thought actually he might grow into this. But William O'Connor very much started well, and then was able to ease off a little bit as uh, as then not worse and worse. But it is 
it's hard for them, but hopefully we'll take the positives out of this and we'll we'll see in have what probably the next I'm not sure how long it is, month, two months potentially before the next pro tour. Hopefully we'll see him use that time to the, to let his confidence back up and back to levels that we know we can he can perform. But William Melton had done what was uh, needed today with a solid performance. Yeah, Cam O'Connor seems to be pretty good at that. We saw him go on a little bit of a run at the Players' Championship Finals. He's now into the third round here. He's yet to really rock up to any of those matches with his A game as well. After that relative success in, in the World Cup a couple of years ago with Steve Lennon going pretty deep with that Ireland team, not quite getting over the line, though. Um, he could be a real threat if he's positioned nicely in this draw. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was it was quite good for him because he was he was visibly quite affected by Glenn's struggles during that game as well. You could see him in the background, kind of shaking his head, like when Glenn was missing and struggling. And it clearly wasn't very nice for him to see Glenn going through that in front of him, and probably affected a little bit in the fact of him just sort of jumping all over it and demolishing him. He just kind of did what he needed to do to get over the line. I thought. Thought it was he, he did well to hold it together and not get dragged too much into a battle, which we've seen so many times where the one player struggling, they both struggle, and O'Connor didn't do that and he he won pretty comfortably. I mean, on Glenn, we talked about it last night when we were looking at predicting today. He's, I mean, it's signs that he had a bit of confidence and was sort of kind of feeling a little bit better about his game. He came out looking really confident in the walk-on and they thought maybe he might go up there and do something. But when we did the prediction last night, we, I think we both said three. Uh, did, I'm not sure whether you did three one, but we both had a comfortable win for Willie O'Connor either way. And said until he shows us something, then it's hard to pick anything but that. My worry is the fact that if he's feeling more positive and coming out confident like that and he's still showing us basically absolutely nothing other than a couple of decent throws in the first two legs then then where does he go from here is it time to I'm I'm sick of sitting here and saying oh we're really hoping that he gets back to it and we want to see him do well again because at some point he's either got to do it or it's time to pack it in and he's the worst player on tour right now that's that's not being harsh he is the worst player on tour right now and something needs to change massively Either he needs to completely remodel his throw or change his darts or something's got to change or he needs it, it's time to give someone else a go. Yeah, difficult to disagree with that. He said about possibly going back to finding some part-time work, taking his time away from it and potentially that he, he made a couple of mistakes in the last 18 months, but there is a possibility now that he might be right. But he might have gone a little bit too far now. It might be a little bit difficult to go back on that, especially in the pressure cooker cauldron. That is... The PDC. Uh, on to match number. Dob, Dob, just one point on that, Dane, that we haven't mentioned because we were speaking about moments earlier. The 170 from William well, O'Connor yeah. in the first leg. Of the tournament. Yeah, yeah the first right. leg. <laughs> yeah, the first leg, first one of the tournament. Um, and at that point, I did feel a bit sorry for Glenn. So I was going to say, he's he walked into one after that point. The, the next leg, Glenn left 36 after 12 darts. I'm like, actually, okay, maybe here we go. Mm-hmm. But when O'Connor sucker punches you with a 170 in that opening leg. Well, he nearly did it in the second leg as well, didn't he? Did he leave 164 in the second leg as well, O'Connor, that he nearly... 
He hit the first treble, yeah, and then he yeah, missed yeah. the treble 18. I was like, when Glenn was sat on 36, I was like, could you yeah. imagine if you'd like to get your game back in position, leave a double after 12, and just don't get a dart at it because he's rocked up and done that. Um, on to then match number three, and this one I expected to be much, much closer. Roby John Rodriguez has had a fantastic year considering he doesn't have a tour card. Made the final of the World Cup with Mensor Sulevich and has been exceptional whenever he's been given the opportunity. Excuse me. Luke Humphreys, UK Open finalist, being a little bit hit and miss at times throughout the year, uh, but he was a comfortable winner with new darts tonight, Lee, um, beating Roby John in straight sets. Yeah, and adamant he's going to win something with these new darts as well. Um, and for me, the good time for Humphreys, the average might not be where he wanted to be and the story might not, but made that 37% um, on the doubles. Very solid for the opening day uh, for Louis Humphreys. So for me, all round the performance, another one similar to the first two, not really pushed of what we'd like to expect to see where their game are, especially coming into a world championships um, using new darts. Very, very brave move or very stupid move to do that. Um, but it, it paid off today. It was a, a good game for him to, I guess, to test them on that stage. And he come through uh, very convincingly. Yeah, not a major difference. A similar move that Nathan Aspinall made in the Premier League, I believe. Basically the same barrel, same shape, but a little bit more grip at the rear of the dart. Um, much a different design to the one that Red Dragon released earlier this week. Uh, as the Luke Humphrey signature barrel, I was expecting that when I heard he was throwing new darts. It wasn't, but on the upside, he does now have three points that all matched as Luke Humphreys because obviously he's had that little bit of a quirk in his set for a few months now. Uh, and Tommy says Humphreys versus Chisnell could be a classic. Yeah, that will be in the next round. Uh, on to match number four from today. And this one was actually pretty decent at times, I thought. Uh, Jim Williams giving Joe Cullen a real scare at times. Uh, the Welshman, though, going down 3-2 to the Rockstar League. Did you say me then, or Tom? Yeah, late. Oh, I thought so. Sorry. <laughs> Multitasking is a thing we cannot do, Tom. <laughs> Take it all back. We can't do yeah, it. <laughs> we can't do it. And yeah, so it, it was, for me, this... Well, it's 100% Dame of the Afternoon. Um, certainly a contender for uh, Dame of the Day. And it, it was good to see... Jim Williams at that point, I was texting you, Dob, at this point to say, if Joe <coughs> comes up, we could have a 4-3-0 and it could be a very, very early afternoon and a frustrating afternoon for PB. Um, but we saw we saw Still, Jim Williams. <laughs> <laughs> we saw Jim Williams turn up, which was good, um, because he was very unlucky at, uh, unlucky at the slam. Um, and, and for Joe, it's been a difficult year. It's been a well-publicised difficult year. But to thumb through that at a point where that 119 from Jim Williams to that 2 1 up at that point probably put Jim Williams then as favourite because he looked very comfortable. So for Joe to fight back at that point was for me was massive and puts him in good stead in a in a very favourable quarter of the of the draw, which I think tees it up quite nicely for him that he's eased in with that win. Yeah, very much so. And Cam, look, this one's a bit weird. It's not very often you see a five setter where the players are pretty evenly matched through a large part of the game, where we don't get a deciding leg in any set. It seems to be one way and then just swing straight back 
the other way. There was no trading, standing in the middle and trading blows with each other. It was, I'm going to dominate you for a few minutes, then you're going to come back at me. It was, it was bizarre in that fashion. It was. It was all like every set. It was like, oh, it's your turn now. Um, it wasn't, like I said, we didn't see any deciding legs. It was, each set was won fairly comfortably um, in the end. And it was, a, it was a better game than we thought. I think I was expecting Cullen to kind of run away with this a little bit. I wasn't overly impressed with Jim Williams first in his first match, but he played really well tonight and pushed Cullen all the way. Um, could very easily have gone the other way as well this game. It was it was close and Cullen just down the stretch just found that extra gear that we know he have where he fired in, ended up with eight one eighties, I think, in the end and it was just that power scoring that he's got when he just kind of went almost when he needs it and when someone pushes him and brings it out of him, he was just had that little bit too much. Yeah, and it, I'll tell you what, it finishes with a 96.96 average, so basically a 97. It is one of the higher or better performances we've seen this week from Joe, and he's been tested early on. Obviously, he does have a bit of a break now over Christmas. We'll be back in five to six days to, to crack on and have a go again. Daniel says, did the walk on him, the Joe? I don't think so. I just think it was brilliant. That was probably better than some of the darts tonight. The crowd singing <laughs> along to the toilet back in anger was superb. I've been fortunate enough to see that walk on at a university varsity match and Joe literally got up on the benches and did a zigzag all the way up and down. I was like, well, it's not the best song. Wouldn't it really get him going? The crowd absolutely loved it. It was sing-along. Brilliant. It's not the best song. I have no Oasis slander in here. But walk-ons, for yeah, Oasis, yeah. fantastic. I love Oasis, but for a walk-on song, a there are better Oasis songs for a walk-on song to get everybody going. See, if everyone knows it though, it is one that everyone knows. Yeah, that's why it's good to to sing along. Um, we have a clip from Joe Cullen, I believe. Uh, newbies to the show. Uh, what we tend to do throughout the show is drop in little snippets of the players' interviews. We won't play you them in full, or as this show will take forever the full clips are available on our youtube channel you can catch them at the end of this show don't go anywhere just yet don't go clicking away trying to find them uh, open them on another tab maybe um, but watch them at the end of the show uh, and whilst you're watching them, don't forget to drop this stream a cheeky little like as well please folks you really will appreciate it um this is joe cullen in his post-match press conference though to actually win it i think i think there's a select group but did you, you know, the, the times we've had surprise finalists and things like that, and probably people will look at this and think, well, you'd be a surprise finalist, Joe, but not to me, I wouldn't. So I, I, I don't know. I think, I think there's so many players that are capable, and it's just showing it here. It's, that's that's what I've lacked in the past, and I fought today and I've dug deep and probably got a result, maybe where I probably wouldn't have done before. So it can only be a positive moving forward. Terrible record at the, at the World Championships before the last couple of years for Joe. Interesting that literally he suffered personal trauma earlier this year. At those moments, he just didn't want to be there, didn't want to play darts. Within three months, Joe Cullen sat there telling us that he would not be surprised if he was the next world champion. That's a pretty big swing and a pretty confident Joe Cullen indeed. Um, that then wraps up the afternoon session. On to the evening session and Nathan Aspinall sporting some tape on his arm to try and help him through an injury, survives a massive, massive scare against Midnight Joe Mernon. Uh, 
beating uh, Joe Mernon 3-2 in the end, Cam. A superb battle from Nathan Aspinall as he showed off all the qualities that he's, he's just been known for. He just does not give up, that man. No, he loves a fight, doesn't he? Absolutely loves the scrap and getting into it. And that's a little bit stretched during this one. We all know all of my thoughts on Nathan Aspinall. It wasn't, wasn't an easy watch for me, this one. But he just... Those last two sets were absolutely brilliant, and he just found that another gear where he just the one the 140s and 180s were just flowing at that point, and it just had a little bit too much for Mernon, but it took him a while to get there, and I think it's a little bit of a worry the fact that he's had to come out with it taped up the arm as it is. Um, it's clearly bothering him enough for him to to do that. You don't usually see that so much. You almost kind of hide it a little bit so that. Your opponent doesn't know you've got an issue, but he's quite clearly come out there showing that he's got a problem and fought his way through it. I don't know how much it has affected him, but from from his interview, he, he seems to think it's a bit of a concern and a bit of a could be a bit of an issue for him. So hopefully it's not too bad. He's got a few days rest now before he has to play again, and hopefully he can just probably not practice too much and just because he's quite a natural player anyway. I don't think he needs hours and hours of practice you'd probably be better served by just giving it a bit of time and a bit of rest yeah i'm i'm not buying into the the injury i think uh look there may have been a time in the last few months where he was injured and i think the tape there is almost a little bit of a, a mental just a little bit of reassurance for him at no point did he look to throw a bad dart and look to blame the arm at any time i thought he looked pretty comfortable up on stage it's a bit like dimmy wearing the knee brace for a lot longer than he needed to I think it was just there for a little bit of comfort so that he knows that there is something that almost for a placebo effect. They actually know there's support there. It'll be fine. It will hold up. Look, these matches are only going to get longer and that will be the test for Nathan Aspinall with this injury. But at the same time, to fight back against Joe Mernon that way, who seems to be just checking out anything and everything in his way. Another one that we've seen go through that phase this week. Uh, I thought Nathan Aspinall was, was superbly. Yeah, well, I think... Now, looking back at it, I think Aspinall would have been happier that he's had a John Mernon performance different to the one that he put in against Paul Lynn that's pushed him. So, it, if there is any concerns around the arm, it, it's it's been tested. Whereas, if John Mernon would have turned up against, as he did against Paul Lynn in round one, we might have seen Asp ease through 3 0 with a you know late 80 sort of average and it not really be tested. So, it puts him in a, in a dud stead, considering his opponent in the next game. Obviously, he's coming up against Dolan or Rids, and whoever comes through that one, which for me is going to be a, a brilliant second round game. But whoever comes through that one with a form that both of them have showed at times this year, he's going to be pushed to then. So it'll be interesting then to see if there is. My only concern as such, I can see your point in regards to it might not be an issue anymore, but it's there for a bit of security. But then if there is a pulled dart for whatever reason, is he then looking at that as being the problem? But actually, it might be something else that, that's the issue. I feel like if it's not, why would you come out with, with that uh, taping on? So it's a bit of a strange one. We know he's had the issue there. So I'm, I'm more inclined to think that there is some sort of concern that it may though. So it's just a bit more a security and there's that there. But we'll see. He's going to be tested a lot more in the next day. I can't, I can't see Dolan or Reed's not pushing him. Even though Mernon has today to some of the checkouts from John Mernon, considering, like says, where he was in round one, was very impressive today. 
you know, massive turnaround from Joe Mernon. What's about to happen now is everything we've just discussed around Nathan Aspinall's injury, he's going to say the complete opposite in this clip that none of us have seen yet, but we've been passed on to play in the show. This is Nathan Aspinall in his post-match press conference. Can you win the tournament with the injury having to play back-to-back days? Yeah, of course I can win the tournament. If I didn't think I'd win the tournament, I would have pulled out of an injury. Simple as that. Um, I know what I've been doing and I've been practising. I've been playing brilliant darts. Um, yeah, OK, it's tough. The schedule's tough. Um, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of money online. There's a big title online. This happens. Gezi's had it. Michael's had it in the past. You've just got to play through it. Listen, it's five days of nonsense. If my arm's falling off and I win the title, I don't care. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'll deal with it every day. Um, I'll recover as best as I possibly can. Um, I've got two or three people that, that I'm working with to help me recover better. They've done a fantastic job with me. Um, and, you know, they're, they're only a phone call away. Um, but, yeah, it, yeah, OK, it's a concern. I'm not going to lie, it's a concern. But I still think that I can win this tournament. Otherwise, you know me, I wouldn't be here. Mm. The most money you possibly get just for turning up in any tournament might be a little bit contradictory yeah. to just wouldn't be here. But at the oh. same time... I, I, I think it might be a factor, but I don't think it's going to be a massive factor. It's not as if he's, he's through the pain barrier every single time he releases a dart, which is which is where we were trying to get to, I think. Yeah, I was, I was about to say I'm about 95% of that interview, I believe, what he says. But then I dropped to 90 because what he said at the start, he also said at the end of that little clip that obviously he wouldn't have thought. I don't think, I think if there's a, as long as you can release the darts, I think that you'd be very stupid not to turn up for the Worlds. Especially with, and I don't want to, so, offend John Mernon on this, but especially with that sort of performance, it yeah. could have probably dropped off 10, 15 points looking at that last one and think, I might still get through. And the money that's at the World Championships, you just can't turn that down. Especially when you're placed like Nathan Aspinall is. And the seeds have been relatively unscathed in the large part through round two. We've had a couple of casualties, yes, um, but in the, in the most part, the seeds have all made pretty steady progress so far. Um, on to the next game and what a game this was. Don't get wrong, it wasn't uh, Michael Van Gerwen versus Gary Anderson in Dubai levels where they just went absolutely berserk on the board. These two seemed to lose their mind all over the stage. It was very, very entertaining. Boris Koltsov with one of the best celebrations I've ever seen. I don't know what the man was doing up there, giving it a bit of a wiggle. It was like a dodgy version of the time warp. Um, but Turk Van Dijvenboda survives as the game went into extra legs. It was won by two clear legs by the big Dutchman. Cam, what a, what a match this was. How entertaining was this? It, it was really entertaining. I thought until sort of midway through the fourth set that Boris was just holding it together better than, than Dirk was and that he was going to get over the line. He looked cool at that point. I think that break in the middle of the fourth set was where it, it all turned around because at that point, when Dirt went unheld in the next like, to level of the match, he kind of fancied him to go on. And then I thought Boris actually fought back quite well from that because I thought he might have seen Dirt just reel off a 3-0 final set and finish it off. But he went, went at it again and split the first four legs and then Dirt held again and it was just it just got a little bit too much for Boris at that time. He missed five doubles, I think it was, in that final leg where he where finally got over the line, but it was a really good back-and-forth game. It wasn't, like I say, it wasn't 
the standard wasn't that great. I think they were both in the 80s with their average. But, and there were a lot of missed doubles. It wasn't great on that side of the board either. But it was just, it was entertaining. There was drama every leg almost. Yeah, I mean, Lee, perhaps we're being a little bit harsh on the standard throughout. Because again, this one wasn't terrible in terms of the scoring phases. But there has been quite a big gap between the last block of Pro Tours, the Players' Championship Finals, and then the World Championships starting. The players have been without match practice for three weeks or so now, which is when the doubles tend to drop off a little bit. If you're throwing at the same trebles over and over again, you'll find your range on them pretty quickly. You've got the pressure of playing at Alexandra Palace in front of fans for the first time in two years. And yet again, this is a story of, of missed doubles, I think. Um, Van Dijvenboda finishing 11 of 45. Koltsov actually winning the same number of legs, him 11 of 41. Um, but crucially, Van Dijvenboda winning four legs in that final set. It's just that that makes for good matches. It makes for entertainment. We, we keep saying that players don't have to be chucking 104, 105 to be entertaining. But at the same time, it is playing on these players' minds and everybody seems to be getting a bit of doubles fever. Yeah, I think both of which come out tonight wanting to entertain. I think that was sort of the main thing. We saw that with Boris in the first round, a different approach to what we've seen from uh, Big Bad Boris before. Us dirt, we knew that. And I think the Wartan certainly out with that. We saw those sort of celebrations. And, and both of which, yeah, it's a world championship, they're taking it seriously. But neither of which was sort of put off by each other's reaction, which was good. There wasn't any sort of any of it that was slowing the other player down. It was a game that, that did flow very well, as much as you had those celebrations. Um, I think we the numbers don't show what, I, in my head, I thought. I thought this was around mid-90s when I watched it. But it's those doubles that, it's the doubles that brought it down. And if you look at it, Boris being in this um, round is probably the furthest he's been. Uh, the furthest he's been. Dirt hasn't had a great year when you think about what he'd done behind closed doors. Um, so, actually, overall, it was probably to the standard, the, probably the match standard that Boris for performance is sort of where Dirt has been throughout the year. But it, it was a lot of drama. It was a lot of entertainment. And I think both of which must have watched the day session with the rest of us and thought, well, we can change something about that. and make it a bit more entertaining for the rest. And they certainly did. I don't know. If they'd watched the day session, they might not have turned up at the night because they might have been asleep. <laughs> very true mate might explain why they both average less than 90 which is what Tommy says what do we consider poor standard these days under 90 and I think we have to discuss this in some sort of relative nature like I'm not going to get up there and average 90 I'm, I'm just not I'm going to be happy if I average 70 at times but for, for this level at the top players in the world the average for a pro tour is about 92 and a half. That's the running average for the season. The World Youth Championship qualifiers before the World Youth Final, the running average for that day was 86. Some of these players are way below that from the next generation. And I think, look, it is fine margins when you've only got a gap of seven or eight points on those averages. And that is the difference between 35% and 42% on the doubles, perhaps. But there have been a lot of games that, as Wayne Marder's favourite word is, the players have got embroiled in games and scraps that a little bit more composure and a little bit more confidence on the outer ring would have settled an awful lot of these matches a lot sooner than 
what we've had to withstand, I think, at times, is, is the fairest yeah. assessment of, of where this tournament is so far. I think that's it. And I think a lot of it on the outer ring we saw, especially in this game, a, a lot of rush doubles from, from the pair of them. And we know Mardell had his little two cents on Rob Cross and him stepping back before he goes for a double um, and saying he's losing his rhythm and this, that and the other. But these two could have benefited from that a little bit during this game. Just take a step back, take an extra second and then throw your dart rather than rushing it. And we might have seen possibly a different outcome or seen someone or seen Dirk go and win it a lot more comfortably. That being said, the one time Dirk did step back was for a 170, and I live closer than the dart he managed to put he, on the he ball. Never, <laughs> he could never, ever have gone for it. He wasn't going yeah. for it. In his mind, um, he'd already yes, decided he that he was yeah, setting it up. Every player should go for a 170. He, yeah, well, he decided in his head that he was setting it up. He threw his first two, and he was ready to throw it at 18 to leave. Yeah to leave 32 and the crowd got in his head and he went for it. It was ridiculous. If he'd lost that leg, then it's and potentially then loses the game. It's stupid. Make your mind up beforehand. If you're going to go for it, go for it. And I think everyone should go for it probably just because it'll get the crowd on your side, but decide that beforehand. Once you've hit the first two trebles, don't be thinking about it at that point. Yeah. When you're a rhythm player like Dirk as well, like yeah. you should have a decision for it. Yeah. yeah. 100% agree. Uh, on to the penultimate game of the evening. Um, and again, boys, I hate to, to sound like a broken record, but Miss Darts at doubles the story in this one. 21.7% success rate for Kim Hybrex, 10 of 46, 21.2%, 7 of 33 for Steve Beaton. Uh, the Hurricane doing a job on the Queen of the Palace conqueror that is Steve Beaton um, as Kim Hybrex moves on to set up a fascinating next round tie with Gerwin. Lee. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, it wasn't a great game. Um, it seemed like, and it was one of them. Can we, can I we just? More, I was, I was. We accept that about, every game today wasn't a great game. Let's stop saying that. Yeah, yeah, probably right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you are probably right. Odesh, one thing, one thing I was always worried about with um, Steve Beaton was the fact of his interview afterwards when he beat Fallon was a lot around. You know, there's some nights he was struggling to get to sleep. There was a lot of build-up and a lot of hype around that. Probably similar in response to afterwards, what's happened with Willie Borland, that that first game has taken so much out of him that we just didn't see them levels today. Yes, there's been inconsistencies in Beaton's game anyway recently. That's why we saw him drop down the rankings. But today he dropped down an awful lot. And, and for Tim, it was, it's well-documented, I guess, his lack of... It's not lack of preparation, but his struggles he had to get into the country and the, the travelling that would have hindered his preparation for this. And it probably sort of all that come together and summed up what game we had. But Tim was able to find enough. Yeah, that he missed 36 starts at a double, but he had enough opportunities. His scoring was was better than Steve. So those opportunities came along a bit more frequently that allowed him to come through. Now he's staying in the country. Now he's fully focused on that next day. Um it's gonna be it's gonna be an entertaining game, whatever that result. It's gonna be an entertaining game. Obviously, the expectation is on Price to come through, whatever that storyline would be. But I think Tim will certainly give it some and will make it similar to probably the Dirt and Boris game in regards to entertainment, if not as competitive as those. Yeah, completely agree. Um, Kim's been on a little bit of a resurgence this year. Him and Rob Cross, you can see that. 
They've both made strides to, to improve their, not only their A game, because we've always known that's there, but their B game. And they've started to win more and more matches that they were losing at the start of the year where they've been competitive within that. They've learned to close these matches out. Kim sort of did that tonight. We know he's got extra gears to go, but like Lee said, the difficulties getting in the country, the win is the most important thing for Kim here. And hopefully, I'm not sure on his plans. We might find those out in a minute in his interview clip, but I'd be staying in the country if I was in, just in case so you don't have the same issues next time around because that match against Gerwin Price is massive. Yeah, um, I think he is staying in the country. I think he said that in his interview yeah. tonight after, yeah. the, after the game. Um, but yeah, I thought he did what he needed to do tonight. We we had the concerns about beating that how much he put into that first game, that whether he'd be able to follow that up. And it, it looked like the focus wasn't the same today. Just... I think as much as anything else, it was just the fact he wasn't as as focused and as as switched on as he probably was the other night. And I think that showed, and we saw more of what we've kind of seen from from Steve over the last couple of years, really, rather than the level he played at the other night. I know the averages probably aren't that much different, but I think in the context of the game, he was a lot further away from from Kim than he was the other night. Um, Kim Kim was pretty. He was all right. He, he scored fairly well. I don't think he was he's nowhere near his best. We've seen him chuck in 100-plus averages. His first line average was fantastic at times tonight. I saw a stat yeah. online uh, where his first three-dart average was like 107. His first nine was 112. And his overall average was 89. Yeah. The disparity in that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and we just know he's got more in the game. I hate to cut you off, Campbell, but we have got to start moving on because we've been yeah. online. 40 minutes ready. One more little thing to consider, though, in this one is perhaps the crowd. We've just seen the big entertaining game between Van Dijvenberde and Coltsov. It got the big sky montage. Went a little bit flat in the arena as soon as that one finished. Difficult for these to get going. You struggle first couple of legs. They don't really interact with you. Um, we do have, though, Kim Hybrecht's thoughts on something. Not sure what it is. Um, <laughs> I can sort of guess from the clips we've been saying. Uh, but this is Kim Hybrecht in his post-match press conference. No. It, honestly, it didn't matter to me. Um, and I I predicted that Steve would win. Uh, I... <sighs> It's difficult, and I'm going to get a lot of uh, responses to it, I think. But I think the Fallon Sherrock hype is getting a bit too much, to be honest. She's really good, and she, is, she's, she deserves where she's at the moment. But there was no respect for Steve or for the next players at all. It was Sherrock against Gerwin Price in the third round, and she was going to get Premier League and a tour card here. She's not unbeatable, you know. She's a very good player, but the hype is getting a bit too big, I think. In my honest opinion, um, let the girl be who she wants to be because she's got a whole lot of pressure now for uh, her tour card for Q School, and I think um, I think the media and everything is getting it's getting too big for her as well. Just let her be Fallon Sherrick, let her play darts and do what she's good at, and um, the whole media circus is is just let her play darts. Straight from the Gary Anderson school <laughs> of quotes, just let her play that. Do you yeah. know what? I've said it for a few months now. I tend to agree with Kim on that. Um, there's only there's only one line that's getting headlined out of that, though, isn't there? And that's the very first one. The hype's getting too much, and that's all Kim's going to get bombarded with now. What do you think we've capitalised? We've got to get some <laughs> clicks on the interview somehow. Do not hate the game, hate the players, folks. Hate the game. 
just got to do what we got to do. Uh, final game of the night to talk about. Simon Whitlock, in his pre-match interview, said he had a game plan for this one. Um, when somebody says that, I can only think of one thing. There is only one game plan you can possibly premeditate in a darts game, and that is to attempt to slow your opponent down because everything else is on the board or reactionary to whatever is happening. Martin Kleermacher, just not caring, winning 3-1 against the Wizard League, sending another Australian straight out of the tournament. Yeah, it's, I, I agree with you on that, the, the game plan beforehand. And if you have that one, why would you publicise that you've got oh, no, one? With a yeah. stupid grin, like he's a 12-year-old that is about to swear at his yeah. parents, like, watch this, look how naughty I'm being. He's like, oh, I've got a game plan, but I can't tell you what it is. Well, I yeah. wonder what it is. There is literally no other option for that to be anything else. Yeah, and, and someone coming out like, and I'm just going to name two random youth players, someone like Borland and Brooks or coming out with that sort of comment, I'd understand. But someone with Whitlock with the amount of experience coming out with a comment like that and then someone who, it's not as if he's coming up against a Price or an MVG, someone who's one of the top seeds. He's the seeded player coming into this team. He should be down into that with a mindset that clear matters that I think about what Whitlock's doing and not Whitlock start thinking about what he's doing. It makes no sense at all. But the, the stat that stood out to me before the game was that Whitlock has lost 10 of his last 15. That's now 11 out of 16 uh, in the PDC. That run is that bad that probably makes sense as to why he's worrying about who he's playing because he's got to try and come up with something else. But it's just not good enough. He just needs to... We're saying it about a few players now, but they need to make sure they're capitalised on this month or two that they have off away from the board to get the game back to where it can be. And we've seen with Whitlock, he can be one of the best players in the world. And um, Probably under those sort of top four is where we should be aiming. But we know we can do it. We know we can do it. And it's not the right comments to make before he comes out. Not for me, anyway. And Cammy's another that tinkered with his dart set up pre-match. We've seen him... Um, throw a couple of sets that perhaps he shouldn't have had his hands on throughout the year already. He looked like he was throwing some of his very old darts that he used in the final against Mark Webster in the video. Uh, it reverted to his, I don't I don't even know how to describe them, bullets, snipers, yeah. whatever you want to say with the, with the knurl and the big bit. That's such a poor description. Um, but it just didn't seem to work for him tonight. And he really struggled against, look, Clearmacher just gets up and, and does what he does at pace. And I, I actually thought that Clearmacher handled it really, really well. I'm, I'm not saying Whitlock slowed him down to the extent that we've seen Gary Anderson be slowed down deliberately by the likes of Mensor Sulevic. But every time Clearmacher was at the hockey, he played at the same pace consistently. And I think that's ultimately been the difference tonight. Yeah, I think Clearmacher's mindset was just, I'm just going to get up there and I'm going to go on my pace when I'm at the hockey, but when I'm not on it, I'm just not going to worry about it. And I, I didn't think Whitlock slowed it down that much. Um, I was expecting more from, from the comments beforehand. I still think it's utterly ridiculous that he's even thinking of doing that. We've seen him go toe to toe with Van Gogh in last, last year and, and throw a 2180s in a match. and just play his normal game and do that there's no reason for him to be doing that other than the fact that he's clearly in his own head far too much um his form's not very good at all and quite fancy the claymacher might be him tonight and i thought he did it really comfortably in the end um and just like i say he played his own game he did what he had to and i, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet either i think he's going to continue to improve i hope we haven't seen the best of him yet because if so that 88 average might not cut it a lot further into the tournament 
but that is where he goes for now. Um, a quick, very, very quick update on our Fantasy League while hopefully you two are looking ahead at your predictions so we can absolutely race through the next part of the show. Uh, we have a new leader. Rob Rain sits at the top of the leaderboard with just eight games to go in game week one. Um, <clears throat> we'll have to pick up some points for him. He still has Rob Cross to play and he still has Alan Suter to play once again. And Luke Woodhouse. Keep an eye on this one then, folks. Steve Cameron's still in fifth. He's been up there pretty much all of the week. Uh, Bradley with a solid uh, performance too. Andrew Kinsman's jumped back up again. He dropped off a couple of days ago. Uh, that was because of Ryan Searle and Joe Cullen and Martin Clearmacker. That is him done for Anna Callum Ridd still to play as well. So he can still compete for top spot through game week one. Uh, Sean McArdle top yesterday or second yesterday. Uh, find themselves in 11th. Bill Bars is still hiding around somewhere. Uh, he's having a pretty decent run, is Barzi. Although that looks rid still to play for him. Just wants and Charlie Hopper's catching him as well from the team. Um, if you're not already involved, folks, we did put the code into a show a couple of days ago. We're going to double check the rules about um, if you can join in the middle of game week two or to start game week two. Um, we'll flash that code up. If not, hopefully we will keep this running throughout next year if the PDC make the game available for all of their majors in inverted commas. Um, <laughs> on to tomorrow's action then, boys. The last eight games in round number two. Uh, the fancy game week will be over. Um, eight games, eight seeds, eight non-seeds. You know the drill by now. Tell me who's going to win in a best of five before the format goes up after Christmas as well. Uh, first game, Cam, coming to you first. Damon Hetter against Luke Woodhouse. Score prediction, please, sir. Uh, it's close on this, I think. And I have a little feeling that Hetter's in a bit of trouble. Um, I just think Woodhouse already got a game under his belt. He didn't play fantastically in his, in his first game, but I think that will help him going into this one. And I think he will nick it 3-2. Lee, for you. Uh, I'm going to go with what? Well, what you just popped up on the screen. I'm going to top you with Win Eaters, three-one uh, for Hetta. I think Hetta will just be too strong, uh, and we'll take it three-one. Oh, this is a tough one. This one, as is the next one. To be honest, <laughs> we're not even there yet. Um, I'm going to go Luke, and I'm going to go three-one. That's probably heart overhead a little bit more. Um, I think if it goes close, Hetter will pinch it if it goes to all five. Um, but I'm going to say Luke Woodhouse wins this one. 3-1, game number two, and what a fantastic clash of styles this one could be. Uh, Brendan Dolan takes on Callan Ridsley. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I'm quite low down on the fancy, but I've got four players tomorrow, one of which is Callan Ridsley. Um, and I'm going to bat all of my four to come through there. They between the first <laughs> With one. Plenty of 180s, loads of sets, not conceding anything, and, and all the points you need to catch up. And the nine data, don't forget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll save that for my captain, who's also playing tomorrow night. But um, Callum Reeds, I do want to deal Tom through it. Um, but I see it going all the way. I think it will go all the way. And I think Talon Ridge will just find the score in, in that final set to just do enough. So he'll win 3 2. Cam, on to you. I think Dolan and what we've seen from him 
in recent months and the improvement we've seen from quicker throw and the just more consistency from that I think will be too much of Rids. I think we see too much of Rids sort of peaks and troughs where he's he's absolutely flying or he, he falls off and I think Dolan will punish him when that happens. It will still be close and I think it's three two Dolan. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm actually following Cam with exactly the same logic. I think if it gets a little bit tense I see Brendan Dolan on that outer ring just a little bit more than I do Callum. Callum's a fantastic player and he's an amazing front runner as well. If he gets ahead of Brendan Dolan, I expect him to be able to uh, run this one all the way to the end. Um, but I think if it goes tight, which I'm expecting it will, Brendan Dolan might just have the edge on the outer ring for now. Uh, game number three, the guide dog raising fireman extraordinaire Alan Suter. Uh, takes on Mensor Sulovic. Cam, coming to you first. The scars of his last trip to Halipali for Mensor might still be there a little bit as Fallon Cherrick did a job on him. Uh, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I don't think it's just the scars of his last trip to Halipali, to be honest. I think it's, it's just the scars he's got at the moment. Anyway, his recent matches as well, I don't think he's playing anywhere near well enough. And I don't think mentally as much as anything is where he's struggling. And Suits came through a, a decent game the other day. He got too involved early on with the crowd, but I think he'll learn from that in this one. Um, I think they'll be on his side a little bit more as well, uh, more than they will Mensa's. And I, th- I think he wins this one 3 1. Yeah, Lee, for you. Yeah, I, I don't think Suits that's involved as much as he did last time with the, the fans as he did in his first match. Um, it's difficult this because. Suter at the start of the year, I'd say, wins this with ease. Mensor around the World Cup time probably wins it with ease. They're both coming into this not in the, the same sort of form in that stage. I'm sticking with my uh, my fancy team and I'm not with Suits to thumb through it. Um, and it's a busy afternoon. I'm doing 3 2 then. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, too, yeah, apologies last year. Sunovic did beat Edgar this year. Uh, two years ago, he lost to Fallon, yeah, but didn't he lose to her at the Slam as well? He did. Yep. He yeah, did. he did. Yeah. One of those pretty fresh in the mind. Uh, I'm going to go Suter as well. I think he got a little bit caught up in the early rounds, but he'll settle a bit more up on that stage now. Um, and I think he will beat uh, Mensor Sulovic. Before we do move on, got to address this, Marcus. The only time there is any sort of English bias is when we are judging England versus Australia cricket, um, in which case Australia suck. <laughs> so, um, other than that, there is absolutely no bias on the picking players. We are massive fans of the Australian dark players. The biggest picture on the wall is an Australian. Hector is at the top. Admittedly, Woodhouse is on this one as well. But let, none of that bias. We, we don't no. do that here at Online Darts unless it's James Wade. And then it's perfectly justified. Yeah, and um, then we're all against him except for goal. Yeah. <laughs> on to match number four uh, the special one Jose de Souza takes on Jason Lowe and mm, let's hope this one is 3-0 in either direction because it will not be quick again Lee boys yeah I'm uh, I'm going to have a great day tomorrow afternoon because Jose <laughs> is in my pits um, even without Jose side on that I think Jose comes through it with ease. I, I wasn't impressed with Jado as I was the last time at the world, and I just think Jose will come through it with ease. And that was one of three twos that I've picked through the majority of the afternoon. Means we probably have our longest game of the day, but it ends 3 0 to Jose. Yeah, I'm going to go Jose as well. 
in regards to timing. Everybody else is, is on the same sort of wavelengths right now, including Mike says to Souza, I beg this ain't a five setter, please. This, this isn't, <laughs> uh, I don't want it to come across as disrespectful to the players, but some of the games so far in this tournament have been very, very long and very, very difficult to watch. And I get that they're up there playing for their livelihoods. Absolutely fine. But it just doesn't make it enjoyable TV, especially when we have to sit and watch every single game like we do to ensure that we're bringing you guys the best coverage that we possibly can. Um, Cam, have you made a prediction on this one yet? I'm completely lost. No, I haven't. Um, no, so, yeah, it's there's a reason we're sat here at, at half past 12 doing this. It's like that a lot of these games have been long and not been easy to watch. Um, I think this one is another long one. It's not going to go all the way, but I think 3-1 to Suze. I think Blow will get a set, but... 3-0, Jose. Let's move on. Uh, on to the <laughs> afternoon and a player that Ryan Searle really, really wants to win this one is the higher-ranked player because he says he wants to do a job on him. Be careful what you wish for, Ryan. Uh, Danny Knopper, one of the more consistent performers on TV this year. He's been superb um, at times throughout 2021. Uh, takes on Jason Heaver, who is another that just did enough to get through that first round, but needs to find that extra gear if he's going to get a result count. Yeah, I think very bold from Searle in saying that he fancies doing a job on Knopper. I was going to say, has he seen what Knopper's been doing recently? But it's Ryan Searle, so no, he won't have seen it. <laughs> he doesn't see very much. Um, but I think, <laughs> I do think, I do think Knopper comes through it. I think he's been far too consistent and Heaver didn't play particularly well. He didn't play as well as we know he can <coughs> in the first game against against Gordon Mathers, but I think I think he will I don't I don't see him doing too much to push Nopper either and I think he might be three nil to Noppy. Leon to you. On the Nadal three one. I think that's the first first uh, slow start by Noppy, but Noppy will grow into it and come through it three one. And he says Searle has never beaten Nopper. So brave for him to want to play, and that's an awfully big shout, considering uh, would potentially run into Peter Wright the round afterwards, or Damon Hatter or Luke Woodhouse as well. So this part of the draw might open up a little bit as well if Peter Wright doesn't bring his A game. So calling out one of the more form players might be a very, very bold move, um, because I think that's the game we get as well, and I think Danny Offit wins this one 3-1. Now I need to scroll back to where the rest of the draw is. Uh, after that, oh, interesting game. This one, Gabriel Clemens, I think, the new German number two, because Florian Kempel has been absolutely superb at times this year, um, against Louis Williams, the young Welshman, uh, the new Prince of Wales, um, the nickname Thief. I don't like on originality, Lee. Uh, how do you see this one going? <laughs> um, I, I think see Williams coming through it. I really can. Um, I was very, very impressed with his first round game. Very impressed. And I think if he can bring that level, um, he can then done through it. I'm not <coughs> we talked about the mental impact about the Fallon to potentially have a similar impact to Clemens of what happened to him. Um but even that aside, I think Lou Williams deserves a, a lot of respect for what he's done, uh, how his game's improving, and I think I think it can cause an upset and beat Clemens. Um, I will go 3-1. Cam, for you? 
Yeah, um, I was just going to go down that same sort of route that Lee's gone down on the fact that another one that has been fouled recently and it's it's a big step to come back on that big stage and try and overcome that because there's going to be some demons in terms of especially the way that he lost as well with that magical 170 to, to lose as well. Um, Williams has also won their only ever meeting as well before this, which was back in June. Um, so... I think he, I think he gets through it as well, and I think, I think three one as well. I'm in agreement with Lee on this one. Interesting. I think you're both wrong. I think Gabriel Clement <laughs> does a job. Look, don't get me wrong. I, I do think Florian Hempel is the most informed German player in the world right now. But Gabriel Clemens is still a, a classy operator when he wants to be. He's earned two hundred and eight thousand pounds in the last two years on the order of merit. Um, the gentle giant or the German giant. Gentle Giant? I can never remember the man's nickname. Gentle Giant. Giant. He's still very, very difficult to beat. He still chucks in bags of 180. Still capable of pulling out a massive finish out of nowhere. Um, And I think he gets the job done tomorrow. That being said, this has been a very, very home nation patriotic crowd. And we might see the tables turn a little bit on the German player, as there seems to be an absence of German fans at the Ali Pali this year. They've been absolutely mad for it for the last couple of years. Um, but obviously, due to COVID restrictions, uh, there hasn't been that many of them travel. Yeah, it is the German giant and men's sort. It's the gentle. Uh, On to the penultimate game of the night and of the round, boys. And if you aren't tipping this to potentially be match of the tournament so far, uh, where have you been? Rob Cross, the European champion, has returned to form this year in spectacular fashion, built his way up through 2021, winning tournaments with his B game yet again, and is delivering his A game far more frequently against the former five-time champion of the world, Raymond van Barneveld, back at the Alexander Palace after his retirement two years ago, and he looked very, very good in coming through round one against Lawrence Alagan Lee. Good luck picking a winner in this one, mate. And you've talked about a patriotic crowd. I think they're all on Barney's side, which doesn't end it in this one completely. And then it's it's full on uh, Barney fans. However, I'll be very surprised if we don't see a, a very good performance from Rob Cross um, from what we've seen in the back end. And I think that will see him through this one. And yeah, I'd say it's a lot to Barney down a run. Um, but I think Rob Cross comes through it. I don't know. I had to say, but I think it comes through fairly easy as always. I think he'll come through 3-1. Um, but I think he might get the, a couple of sets early on and it'll be comfortable. But I expect it to be a, a still a very good day. And we talked about, or someone asked a question about what's a, a, a low day numbers-wise, average-wise. I don't see this being around that of mid-90s plus by both players uh, at least, and both of which can perform even higher than that. Rob Cross 3-1. for you. Uh, yeah, I I fancy Rob Cross to win this one as well. Um, my slight concern is that Barney's been stood in the venue for the last two nights waiting for this game because he was convinced it was on Tuesday night when he did it <laughs> after, his, after his first round game. Um, so he might be struggling a little bit in terms of tiredness and lack of practice because he's just been waiting to go on. Um, but I think We've seen Barney, he's won both matches he played since Barney came back. Um, but that was before we've seen Rob Cross get back to this level and, and how he's playing at the moment. And I think 
the biggest thing is going to be if Barney gets ahead early, he's got a really good chance. If Cross gets ahead, I think we'll see Barney crumble a little bit and Cross will run away with it. It's always the slightly tricky one with with picking these the night before when we have no idea who's going to be throwing first or who's going to have have that. But I think I think Cross wins the first set and goes on and wins it three. I'm going to say three 0 I'm going to say he doesn't give Barney a set. It's at this moment I wish I hadn't spent the last three years whenever doing this sort of thing not allowing people to sit on the fence because I really do not know a result in this one. Um, not going happen, Dob. Yeah, I'm fully aware of that. It, yeah. look, it's not it even I don't make the rules, day. I just enforce them. I made this rule and now I have to enforce it yeah. on myself. Um, I'm edging towards Barney, I think, oh, somehow, yeah. just because... What Cam's going to start? Hello, I know, yeah. If you can get the alarm out, come on. <laughs> I don't have it. I've tried. Where's your orange shirt? Just because I believe what Cam said is true about needing to start quickly. And the fact that Barney's been up on that stage already this time, I think will be a little bit of an advantage to him. The crowd will have warmed to him. They've had the Eye of the Tiger once. Um, I think they'll get involved in that again, especially if we get a couple of flat games. Earlier in the day, if players, if people are there for the double session or the two games before that, they're not. We don't. None of us have really seen either the two games before being that competitive, which means the first time the crowd are really going to spark into life will be this game. And Barney's just got that little bit of magic, so I think Raymond Van Barneveld wins this one, three, two. Um, On to the final game of the night. Uh, Roby John Rodriguez lost. Earlier today, his brother, Rusty Jake, attempts to remain in the tournament tomorrow. The final game of round two against Chris Dobie. Lee, how do you see this one going? Captain Chris Dobie is to me, by the way. Um, oh, don't jinx the man. I've already said he's beating MVG and you've got him as captain. Captain Chris Dobie. Um, I, see, I see him coming through this with... Um, I see a 180 show. I see this being the one where we we've seen him do it before. I know we've seen him. It's what 10 or 11 in a game in the open. Was it the open and then don't want to lose it? Yeah, thanks for that. The players' championship um, finals against West William O'Connor. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, um, <laughs> and we've seen him do that What? Are you over it yet or not? Do I sound like I'm over it, Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to um, hear you say it. That's all. Yeah, I'll I'll pass it on very quickly before I, you know Dob removes me from the show forever. Um, and although Dolby, no, I need to tar off. I'll remove you after Christmas. After, after Christmas, yeah. Although for uh, Dolby to come through three now. Three nil. Come over yeah. to you. Um, my slight concern for Dolby is the fact that he has won one game out of his last six <laughs> in the PDC, and that was a dead rubber that didn't matter against Ryan Joyce after playing. <laughs> Um, I that televised matches, yeah. I he don't... went on a bit of a deep one in the last players series, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah probably the, the, the last one players, yeah. The first one of the losing run was fairly deep in the 29 players, but um, yeah, I'm just not so sure that he's in the greatest of form. And we're seeing someone in Rusty Jake who's performed well on that stage already this week. And he kind of there's not a great deal of expectation on him. So I think he got the play with a bit of freedom. Yes, there are some loose starts. Yes, the action does break down a little bit at times. But 
he's capable of living with Dolby if the scoring gets high as well. Um, I think he's. I think he'll do a job on him. I think he'll win three two. Dob, just one thing as well before you give yours. You've got to remember, you talked about the Barney walk on Sunday and all the proud on side. We all know that Chris Dolby's got the best walk on in BDC darts. So that's surely like that. the proud on side. <laughs> before you give your prediction with that in mind, mate. It, did you say best? It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you can commission somebody to write a song for you as a walk on and it turn out that bad. Well, I, I suppose it's one of them. Once you can't really, once he's made it for you and you commission him to do it, then say, no, that's crap. Nah, and I don't nah. want <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> nah, mate, you're right. Especially um, if it's your mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, the concern for me here is the fact that Chris Dobie has had to wait so long to play in this game. Well, are we day number eight now? A lot of players have played once, if not twice, or well, everybody would have played at least once before Chris Derby picks up his darts. He's the last man to, to even enter this tournament, basically. Um, the last time we saw him was that defeat to William O'Connor. Stop smirking, you rummy son. Um, <laughs> it's really a bit difficult to take. But his average on tour has been very, very good this year. I keep saying he keeps getting embroiled in games with ridiculous averages where he just drags his opponent up to his level. Rusty Jake is very, very, very good. But if Chris Dobie rocks up and finds that level over four or five sets, I don't think Rusty can live with him. Not, not over that distance. Not with Chris Dobie constantly going at you, hitting a 180 every single time you think you've got away from him. Every single time you need a good start, he's got one. Um, I think Dobie wins this one 3-1 to set up the tie that I really want to see in the next round. Um, gents, that is all of tomorrow preview. That is all of the first and second round pretty much wrapped up. You'll be back tomorrow to discuss it all in full before we take a little bit of a break before Christmas and return um, on the 27th. Um, a well-earned break for us of a couple of days. Uh, thank you very, very much for joining me, boys. Thank you to our friends at Boyle Sports for sponsoring all of our coverage this week. As I said numerous times this week, uh, we've got the best odds and tips that we can find for you guys. Sam Tizzle will be putting them on our TikTok and our Twitter page. Make sure you keep an eye on that. He's had a plenty of winners so far this week. Um, Previews, reviews, and everything else that we can find in between will be on our website. Uh, do head over there. And as I said, interviews in full are available on our YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you guys check that out once we finish this show. Uh, chat room, you guys have been absolutely immense. Once again, best wishes and Merry Christmas to all of you that celebrate it around the world. Uh, the boys will be back tomorrow night. I'll be back just after Christmas, and we hope you all guys have a great one. Stay safe and be merry. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.